Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, hey, good afternoon, everybody. Scott Luton and Billy Taylor with here, right here on Supply Chain Now. Billy, how are we doing today? Great, Scott. How about yourself? It's uh, a happy Friday. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> it's been a great week, and we get to cap off this week of programming, reconnecting with the one and only Billy Taylor, who we talked about in pre-show. You've got a growing fan club, and all of our team members are a big part of it. <laughs> We've really enjoyed <laughs> our collaboration with you on this Manufacturing Leadership Series, which, of course, we conduct in partnership with our friends at the Association for Manufacturing Excellence. It's great to have you back, Billy. Well, it's great to be here, Scott. I, I get excited just to, to know that the show's coming and uh, just the, the interaction with the audience uh, behind the scenes. So, I really enjoy you having me here and feel honored to be here with the team. Outstanding. So from your earlier appearances, I think I've written a 127-page book thus far on, on leadership best practices and manufacturing best practices. But you know what? There's more. Just wait. There's more because we've got a big guest here today. We're going to be wel welcoming in Ellis Jones with the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company momentarily. But uh, excited about that, excited to have you back. And we're talking manufacturing, one of our favorite topics here today. Now, for some, for all three of you that may not know Billy just yet, you know, he's a member of the board of directors with, with AME. He also leads his own consulting practice. So, And he also spent a big chunk of his career working with Goodyear, where he led, as I recall, Billy, manufacturing for all of North America. Uh, and I believe you served as chief diversity and inclusion officer as well during your time there. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. All right. So been there, done that, uh, and you're going to also uh, hear from Billy and I bet Ellis too, great sense of humor, which has been important to maintain throughout these challenging times. So great to have you back. Okay, so Billy, before we get into the heavy lifting, let's make a few announcements real quick, and then we'll also welcome everybody that, that's joined in the skyboxes, as we call it. Sound good? Sounds great. All right, so got to pay the bills a little bit here. So I uh, uh, want to invite all of y'all to join us for one of our upcoming webinars slated for August 18th, 12 noon Eastern time, where you're going to hear from a company about their digital first direct-to-consumer brand, their omni-channel evolution. Quip is the name of the company. And, and Billy, I'm new to Quip, but my, my wife, Amanda, who, of course, Amanda and Jade and Claire behind the scenes making it happen from a production standpoint. Amanda's a big fan of Quip. Have you heard of Quip, Billy? No, I haven't. This is new to me as well, you know. Well, it is. Uh, evidently, they have uh, been on quite the move, and they have been creating very passionate fans of a, a variety of their products, but especially modern-day toothbrushes and dental health care products. So learn from those that you know, I think it's always neat to, to benchmark companies that do create raving fans, and, and we can all learn how to how to do some of that on our own, right? That's right. I'm going to have to look them up. That sounds interesting for myself as well. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with Hey, whatever it takes to get our kids to brush your teeth. I'm, yes. You know, once, <laughs> once we can find some products that guarantee that, hey, that's the next big business idea. But hey, join us August 18th, 12 noon, for a great webinar there. 
And then also, you know, some of the big questions we get here at Supply Chain Now regularly is, hey, how can I advance in my career or how can I find a job? So one of the ways we wanted to start answering those questions more effectively is assemble a panel of, of experts that can really speak to those questions and help. And uh, so on July 29th, just a couple weeks around the corner, we've assembled this great panel, Maria, Crystal, Mark, Rodney, and Peter. It's going to be spending about three hours with registrants uh, for this free session focused on uh, career advancement and finding a job and, and professional development, you name it. So join us for that. Uh, Billy, you may know Mark Preston there. I believe y'all yes. two are uh, on the board, right? Absolutely. There's a couple of names that are familiar on that list there. So that should be a very exciting session. And it's a need for what's happening in right our business communities today for young business professionals and also experience. So uh, that, that too looks exciting to be a part of. Agreed. I tell you, this is a, a great panel. I look forward to, to taking lots of notes from this, this group here. Okay. And I think the link for both of those first webinars are in the show notes. So y'all check that out. Of course, uh, we also are pleased to serve as the exclusive virtual host for the digital version of the Supply Chain Insights Global Forum or Global Summit, rather, in September, September 7th through the 9th. Uh, the uh, in-person versions can be there in Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, where Laura Ciceri is going to be holding court with some of the movers and shakers across supply chain and uh, join us for the virtual version. It requires registration. You can learn more at supplychaininsightsglobalsummit.com. And then one last thing we'll touch on, and we'll touch on this at the end of today's live stream as well, Billy, is, hey, the AME Everywhere International Conference 2021, which I know is circled on your calendar. That's coming up in October, right? Yes, that is. And it's actually building to be a very very educational and practical experience. So I'm actually now in the process of putting a employee resource group operating system workshop for the event. So uh, we're working on that. So it's going to be an exciting event. I've been looking at uh, some of the speakers and the content. It's going to be a really, really good international conference. Love it. Look forward to that. Uh, You can learn more. Anyone can learn more at ame.org. Networking, training, hearing from some of the movers and shakers, especially across manufacturing, including Billy Taylor, it sounds. Uh, Learn more at ame.org, and we'll touch on this at the end of today's live stream as well. Okay, so Billy, one of of our favorite parts, beyond making those announcements and paying the bills a bit, is (laughs) engaging with the folks that join us right here on this live stream, right? As much as I've learned from you and and our guests, man, I learn a lot from the folks that show up and and drop in what, what they're thinking in the comments, right? Absolutely. Actually, that's where I start taking notes, Scott. Uh, (laughs) The feedback and some of the one-liners we get, I mean, they're phenomenal. So I look forward to this part of the the, the show as well. Agreed. I'm with you. Uh, And I want to start, I'm going to scroll down a little bit here because DC is with us uh, today. And DC has been on the show a couple of times, love her perspective. And she's a big fan of Quip. How about that? One of the raving fans. And as she says there, love their commitment to digital, and they're going to be touching a lot more on that on the webinar. So, DC, hope this finds you well out in the western U.S. and in gorgeous either New Mexico, or Arizona. I can't remember right off, but hope this finds you and your family well. All right, so scrolling back up, we got Shrinivas back with us. I tell you, he has been uh, Amanda. We're going to owe Shrinivas like three or four badges. Uh, he, he's on all these live streams. So, welcome uh, back, Shrinivas. Look forward to your POV here today. Hope this finds your family well. Ayub is tuned in via LinkedIn from Morocco. Welcome. Look forward to your comments here today. Uh, let's see, Hassan is tuned in via Saudi Arabia. Hassan, welcome via LinkedIn. Uh, thanks so much for joining us here today. Claudia Freed, Billy, you haven't met Claudia yet, I don't think. No, I have not. 
I'll tell you, we get the two of y'all together and, and we can, we could boil the ocean. Uh, so <laughs> Claudia is good people. She just would join us for an episode of supply chain now in Espanol and probably her second or third appearance with us. But Claudia, I hope this finds you well and great to have you here today. Sushil is with us via LinkedIn. Let us know where you're tuned in from Sushil. Welcome. Welcome. Anindia. And if I got that wrong, I apologize. Please let me know. Andy, as he says, thank you for that. Andy, great to have you here via LinkedIn. Thanks for joining us. I believe it was yesterday or one of the earlier live streams this week. And always great to have our uh, have you back. Uh, Simon, fingers crossed, it's coming home. Hey, how about that, Simon? Ho hopefully the, uh, I guess it's not a new role anymore. Uh, Simon, Billy has started a new uh, career opportunity uh, probably a few months back. Uh, but Billy, as much as we enjoy your sense of humor, Simon might can match you toe for toe. We'll see. <laughs> now, Peter, you're not supposed to be here. Peter is supposed to be uh, on some appointments and maybe some afternoon golf matches. But he says, good afternoon. Made it on time. All major organs have been checked out, which is great. Now I fully understand what ladies go through when that cold jelly hits you for an ultrasound. <laughs> Peter, man, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to get you to elaborate that maybe, maybe much later, much later in the afternoon. But most importantly, great to hear that you got a, a two thumbs up from a health standpoint. That's, that's uh, great to hear. All right. So um, we'll get to, we'll try to get to everyone on, in, on the comments throughout the live stream here today. Keep your comments coming, your POV coming. You know, as much as Billy and our guest Ellis is the stars of the show. Uh, the third star of the show is certainly the folks that show up in the comments, and we look forward to featuring your perspective here today as well. But, Billy, it is time to uh, – I'm looking forward – You know, uh, our guest today, uh, Ellis Jones, uh, not only do we enjoy the pre-show conversation, but mm -hmm. I understand from our previous prep calls that you and him may go back a little bit, and there might be some wow. stories <laughs> that we can share and maybe a few that we can't share. And that's <laughs> – <laughs> Absolutely. I, I always say, you know, you hear the saying, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What happened with Billy, uh, Ellis and Billy didn't happen. Okay. <laughs> That's what I look at it. It didn't happen. But no, in all seriousness, we actually grew up together in Goodyear. Uh, when you're talking our career past, uh, Ellis is one of the most well-rounded executives I've ever uh, met. He, he'll tell you a little about his background and, and, and how he's come through the ranks. Uh, leading executive at Goodyear, uh, just a solid person uh, and really understands leadership. All right. That's serving leadership where when you, when you listen to Ellis, one of his sayings is all encounters matter. Mm, and and so that. he's been uh, uh, we, we, we went through being on the same team. Uh, he'll say that uh, at one point he's a plant manager, won the AME award after he left. And, you, and that's about sustainability. He's like a guru in that space, not only building systems of excellence, but sustaining them after the leader leaves. Uh, so Ellis is just a well-rounded person, uh, family man, uh, just a, a ground level leader that, that, that you respect. I love it. All encounters matter. One of our first t-shirt isms here today. <laughs> so with that foreshadowing, Billy, I want to welcome in Ellis Jones, vice president, global EHS and S and business continuity with the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company. Oh, <laughs> hey, there we go. There we go. Good afternoon, Scott Billy. How's everyone? Very Great to well. have you here, Ellis. Yeah. Hey, it's it's Friday too for our automation engine here today. So it's, and it's been a long week, evidently. But hey, we've really enjoyed our pre-show conversation as as 
Billy and I had a good time talking about. We had to go through uh, an army of agents to get you on Ellis. Uh, and great to have you here. Look forward to diving into some topics. But Billy, where are we starting though? Uh, well, I'm going to let Ellis. Uh, first of all, thank you for for joining us today. As Scott said, we had to. It was almost like getting LeBron James or someone on the show today. Hoops and challenges, and but you made it, Ellis. You made it. <laughs> All right. Have a good admin. Yeah. <laughs> so let's start with why don't you tell us about yourself and a little bit about your background? Sure, sure. Hey, so I am from originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm 55, originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I uh, went to school in Hampton at Hampton University in Hampton, Virginia, and later received my MBA, a master's in operational excellence from The Ohio State University. Thought I would never go. I promised myself I would never go to an Ohio State school, but I ended up at Ohio State. It was a great experience, great university, and really enjoyed it. Um, so been with Goodyear for about 32 years. I have a you know different background getting to where I'm at today. I started off in finance and accounting, so I have a degree in accounting and spent uh, more than half of my career in finance and accounting. And that's when Billy and I ran into each other. I actually spent 10 years. Uh, in manufacturing and finance and accounting and, and as a, a controller, a system plan controller, and so on. So I spent uh, a lot of years in finance and accounting, finance director of different businesses, been finance director for manufacturing, purchasing supply chain in our North America operations. And then I went to the dark side, I uh, became plant manager of, of our race tire facility uh, in Akron, Ohio. And I'll tell you, it was probably probably the best experience I ever had in my career. It, it was unbelievable. And, and that's where I say the first time Billy really worked for me. It's, it's, <laughs> Billy was actually my leader. So I actually reported to Billy and, and look, we were very close friends and I never get my wife said, how are you going to end up work? How are you going to work for Billy? That's going to be difficult. And I say, you don't understand. I just gained the best employee I could ever have. Wow. And Billy Taylor, that's the type of leader he is. And I really felt that going into this position that Billy would be the best advocate and, and work for me um, as, as a leader. So I did that for five years and then I took over environmental health, safety, sustainability, and later received business continuity. So that's how I ended up where I am today. Wow. So Billy, so much to kind of peel away and dive into, but, but you got to, his words there on part of what he shared got to make you feel good. Well, it really does because, you know, sometimes personal relationships can get in the way of business relationships. Now, what he will say that I never compromised on the standard and I wasn't an easy person, right? It wasn't. But as a leader, some of the stories that, that I can tell you uh, about Ellis, that plant, it wasn't a new plant, correct? Tell me a little correct. about the plant. It, it, yeah, it's one of our oldest facilities. Uh, it was so to, to say it was local too. So steel workers local too. So it was their second local organized. So that that tells you how old the facility facility is. Yeah, and what what was one of the things that the first person that your day in around the expectations for the union? <laughs> yeah, so you know, so I went when I went to introduce myself to the team. So I came in as an you know finance person. So everyone thought I was going to shut the plant down. Old facility. And, and our performance in that facility wasn't that great. Mm. So the rumor was I was coming in to shut the plant down. Why would they bring an accountant into the organization to run the organization? 
So the union president told me, hey, Ellis, the word is you're here to shut us down. So the first time I met with the associates, I did an all associate meeting and I introduced myself, told them all, you know, all these great things about me. And there was one person sitting in the front row and I knew that was trouble. He was sitting in the front row all by himself. And when I opened it up for questions, he raised his hand and he said, Ellis, don't take this personally, but we have no expectation of you whatsoever. He said, uh, you are here to shut this plant down. You don't understand us. You don't understand this operation. You don't know how to make tires. You don't care about our safety. And oh, by the way, your team sitting behind you, they don't care about us either. So don't take this personally, but we have no expectation of you whatsoever. That was the opening salvo of my experience in this in this plant. And, and that was that set the tone very early for what I needed to do in this organization. And that was learn and just, you know, really, you know, get the respect of the organization, but earn their respect mm. uh, as a leader. And I felt I had to do that from day one. I love that. You know, we've got a dear friend of the show, Phil, over at Art of Procurement that likes to say feedback is a blessing. Yeah. And if that's the case, Ellis, boy, you had a bounty that day. But, you know, it's probably in a weird way, rather than folks thinking what that that um, team member said to you, for them to share that with you and to give you the opportunity to respond, that was probably a, a really good thing. Yes. Yes, it was. And, and I tell you, we became good friends. He is a good friend today. When we see each other, I go back to the plan. It's a plan here in Akron. We talk. Uh, but what I what I learned that day was, and as I walked around a facility and learned more about the facility, the environment was critical, and they just didn't feel respected because of the environment. Mm. And then safety was another area um, that was top of mind. So my focus going in, and what what he taught me was again earn their respect, and and a part of that, and the major part of that was safety, both physical and psychological, mm. and and really developing that type of an environment was top of mind for me. Love it. All right. So I want to share a couple of comments and then Billy, uh, before I move to sustainability, I want to get your, you know, one of your key thoughts of what Ellis just shared there, but uh, let's say hello. So Denise is tuned in via LinkedIn from Norway. Welcome Denise. Great to have you here today. Let's see here. Claudia really agreed with your earlier comments, Billy, about how sustainability is far more than operations. Chudley, Welcome. It's your first time here. I believe you're tuned in from Tunisia, and we appreciate the feedback. Hey, feedback truly is a blessing, so look forward to, uh, Chelly, your comments here today. Also, a, a play on um, All Encounters Matter, Ellis, is we've got Nerfad. Hello, Nerfad. Tire tread matters. I love that. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> and uh, finally, uh, Enrique. Enrique Alvarez, great to see Billy Taylor again. Congratulations for having such a great guest. Hey, you know, Billy makes us all look great. And and to bring on Ellis as well and have us learn from both of these uh, leaders, what a treat here on this Friday. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, one, of, one of the things, Scott, you brought up is just summarizing what Ellis said, right? It, it's why did I really think Ellis would be a great guest? And it starts with trust. And so when Ellis talks about that union person or uh, when your leader's going in to lead others or change or transformation, I, I look at it, Ellis earning the right to change. And see, that's what most people miss. And when people go into companies or lead companies, you get the technical right. You've got the title. You've got capital investments. You've got work instructions. But earning the right to change is around culture. Mm. And so, Ellis, that's what I saw you do. 
It's yeah. earned the right to change. It had nothing to do with accounting. Uh, yeah. Right. That, that's exactly right. Bill, and Billy's right. You know, again, they knew I was an accountant and I had to change the way I worked every single day. And, and I'll tell you, you know, I I had one cost me. I had a very good controller. He was a previous um, director of mine. I had a strong team. I love my team. And, and they enabled me to, to, to really be successful there. We were successful as a team. But I decided, you know what, I need to step away from the finance side of it and really move them away from that and, and really focus on them. So I had one cost meeting very early on, and I told my team, no more cost meetings. We, we can, I, I can manage, my controller can manage costs, no more cost meetings. And we focus on that environment. And, and that's where Billy said, we focus on safety, we cleaned up the environment. We've invested money in just cleaning up the entire environment. And it was funny early on, which I didn't realize this, um, they came from an organization when the environment was cleaned up, the plant was sold. So then people said, well, here we go. He's cleaning up the environment. There must be getting it ready for sale. <laughs> so, so I had to work through that. But after we, we get past that with right. the team, the team really embraced it. And then the safety part of it, who can deny focusing on safety? Mm. And, and we really focus, again, focus on those two things, the physical environment, cleaning it up and, and making people and helping people feel respected and valued. And then safety. Yeah. Everything we did was around those two very early on in, in, in the process. I love that. You know, guys, we're going to need a couple of additional hours here today. I, I feel like there's so many, so many stories and, and lessons learned that we could have both of you expound on. But uh, I want to share just a, a close the loop here. Enrique also is a leader of our Logistics with Purpose uh, and Supply Chain Now in Espanol uh, series here. So great to have you tune in, Enrique. T-Squared, we were talking about you just yesterday, T-Squared, who he holds down the Fort Force on YouTube. He says, uh, hashtag HBCU made. This is great to see. Uh, as an HBCU made man twice and finance man bitten by the supply chain management bug. This is good reflection. You can't be what you don't see. Thank you for sharing that. T squared and great to have you back. And Simon enjoys this. Billy makes us all look great. Well, it's true, isn't it? Look, I mean, listen, look and listen, and you'll see what I'm talking about. And then finally, Peter says he loves their performance dashboard charts behind Billy Ray Taylor. I agree with you. Or he's demonstrating how empty hid shelves are. <laughs> All right. So a lot of fun here. Thanks for everybody showing up. So continuing down this path here, we won't, you talked about the environment a couple of times. Of course, you talked about safety. I love that. But let's talk about one of the other, I guess, six S's these days. It used to be five S, now it's six S, I believe. It might be seven S around the corner. Sustainability. Yes. So tell us, uh, Ellis, what are some of your thoughts here and what are some of the priorities for sustainability at Goodyear? Yeah, I tell you what a what a challenging challenging environment, but an opportunity an environment rich with opportunities. So when you think about sustainability, and it is more than operations. That when you the scope of sustainability is is so great. But if you, you think about one of the critical areas is sustainability and supply chain. Um. So so what we're seeing, and, and and you know you see all the companies announcing net zero, you know net zero targets on our greenhouse gas emissions. Well, what happens behind the scenes and what's happening to us is as companies make those announcements, they look in their supply chain because you can't do it without your supply chain. You have what you focus on or what you can control, which is scope one, scope two within your operations. But then you have to move to the scope three emissions, which are those emissions within your supply chain. Right. So so what we're seeing from from our customers 
they want net zero products. So they want us to deliver net zero products. They also want sustainable materials. So more, you know, more sustainable materials, those materials that are much more friendly to the environment and contribute to circularity. So you can rework those materials back into the product. I'd say the other, the, I think the third one would be traceability within the supply chain. So being able to trace your products, not just the tier one suppliers, but all the way through your supply chain to those tier two, three, four level suppliers. It's a challenging environment. It's rich with opportunity, but those are the demands we're seeing today. Hmm. So one, um, Billy? One of the things the others I remember, right, working uh, and going through the sustainability meetings <laughs> with you and your team, <laughs> right? From the customer now, just in summary, the customer wants to know sustainability around how you win, how you work, and where you focus. Yeah, that's right. That's right. exactly right. It's exactly right. And, and, and you're right, Billy. So what, what you have to do is, and this is our customers and our investors want to know, how are you integrating sustainability into your business model? It can't be a bolt-on strategy where you do your business and then you do sustainability. Right. They want to know, uh, because the accountability is starting to, to ramp up as well in terms of, okay, we know what you said, but give us the proof. So, so now they wanna see how sustainability is integrated into your business strategy. And, and, and what you do and what they wanna see is, are you developing a sustainable business strategy? Not a sustainability strategy, but a sustainable business strategy. Yeah, well said. Claudia really appreciates the circular economy mentioned. I think you mentioned also circularity, Ellis, which is yes. I love to hear leadership focus more on practical application and, and yes. you know the results that you just mentioned a second ago. Mm -hmm. T squared says speak the language of the business, not so much the function. I love that. And then Peter talks about how back when he was in procurement, I think over at uh, uh, Air Canada, I think I got it right, Peter. You're going to kill me if I didn't. But he uh, led procurement projects on aircraft tires uh, back in the early 2000s. So I bet there's some stories there. Oh, yeah. Simon says uh, the U.S. and the U.K. are united and yet divided by language. I don't think that statement about Billy making us look good means quite the same thing on this side of the pond. So I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna have to learn more about that. We'll see. And then finally, Claudia says sustainability, quote, quoting Ellis, cannot be a bolt-on strategy, another T-shirt-ism here today. Okay, Simon, we'll connect uh, offline. i got to figure out how I put my foot in my mouth this time. All right, so let's keep driving. Let's talk about, let's move from sustainability to robotics, or as Billy and I were talking pre-show, cobotics, right? So, so Ellis, what are some of the things you're seeing there? You know, with, with robotics, you know, like you said, you, you, you've seen and we've seen, you know, robotics come in and, and replace people. And that's something when you think about sustainability, you know, you, you don't really want to see that. You want to protect people. You, you want to make sure, you know, you don't create this divide. So you are seeing, you still see that, you know, look, there's a, there's a place for robotics. There's a place for robots to do, do more technology, to do the job. But you're also looking for robotics to, to, to help people and enhance uh, everyone's ability. Uh, one, we're seeing safety. My, you know, personally, what, what we're working with is how do we bring in robotics to help people do their jobs safely? Uh, wearables, that's another thing that, that we're seeing. We're seeing more wearables, opportunities for vests, watches, rings to help people uh, stay safe. Uh, the other area that, you know, digital and technology is coming into play, I talked about traceability, which is very, very complex. 
it's it's the digital application and, and tracing your products through your supply chain. So, so a lot of different areas we're focused on and, and other companies are focused on. But as Billy said, I think it's going to continue to emerge and continue, you know, not not replace people. But how do you help and enhance, you know, how people can do their work? Excellent. Have you seen uh, an industry, you think in cobotics, whereas people were right the psychological safety around robotics? Are they being involved up front, like doing robotics or development of robotics with the team? instead of doing it to the team. So people are having input on what they specifically need to be more effective, to be safer uh, in the development of robot or, or cobotics. Yeah, that, that is critical. So how do you involve people and, and really involving people up front as you, as you develop new manufacturing systems? How do you bring those people in that are going to do the work? And hey, by the way, if, if their work is going to change, so you help them understand how their work will change with the addition of the robotics in the plant or cobotics in the plant. They may do something different. That's, you know, it's building their capability to be able to do a different job. So you're upskilling them. So they're helping you bring the robots in place and then they're being upscaled to be able to do something different within the facility. Mm-hmm. Well said, you know, going back, you mentioned traceability, talk about things in demand, you know, traceability, consumers want to know where things uh, are, are, where the components are sourced and, and uh, where it, things are grown, you name it. And it's, I love the movement, right? Yes. Knowledge is certainly power. And that's a big part of this huge, massive push globally for more visibility, more visibility mm-hmm. for supply chain leaders, manufacturing leaders, business leaders, but also more visibility for consumers. And it sounds like that's part of, part of the game plan there at Goodyear. So, we want to move more into management systems, uh, Billy and Ellis. Um, regardless, you could have the world-class automation, right? Maybe automation is so good that not only do robots and cobots uh, get, what was that phrase, Billy? <laughs> uh, round and, and out the Round and black and out the back. Yes, round and black and out the back. Lots of production tires, uh, good tires. But you could have the best robots that do all that. And maybe even make you a pimento cheese sandwich at lunch, right? World-class automation. <laughs> but you still have to have management systems, right? And we were talking about this notion, Ellis, before we went live about how companies are culturizing management systems effectively these days. Any thoughts here, Ellis? Yeah, I tell you what, this is, and, I, and, I, and I, hey, this is a great learning from Billy. And as I, look, I made mistakes with management systems just as everyone else, a lot of people did. And thinking you can just put in, this really nice system and people will, you know, will gravitate towards the system and will operate within the system. I, I use, and Billy knows what I'm about to say here, it's, I have a, a structure that, that I use, it's, it's, it's structure, environment, uh, and capability. And, and when I think about management systems, you know, management system is part of the structure. So you need strong management systems, you need governance. Those were, that's where those digital systems come into play. But probably the most most important is the environment that you create for your team to be able to operate with this management system. We often forget that. And, and you really do have to make it safe for your organization to operate with this management system. It can look great. It can give you all this great data. But if the team doesn't feel safe, because a management system is going to point out your gaps, and it's going to expose your gaps. You're going to be very transparent with those gaps. 
But man, if it's not safe in that culture to be transparent, the team will not operate well with that management system. Mm -hmm. So we often forget, how do you make it safe for your team to be able to operate within a structured management system? And then it's about building their capability. So, so as a leader, how do you assess your team and say, okay, are we capable to operate within this management system? Very important that we often forget. So as you said, Scott, it can be the beautiful system, but if you don't really build the environment and the culture to be able to operate within the system, it, it, it's, it's probably not going to work. It's not going to be sustainable. Right. It's kind of yeah. like getting the keys to a brand new Ferrari. If you don't know how to drive, <laughs> it's just yeah. a brand new Ferrari. So. Right. But Billy, you're going to say something. Yeah, one of the things that that, that that I've seen, even as a consultant working with Fortune 500 companies, uh, in the management system, it's rare that the people is the reason the, the management system fails. It's the management team that's, that creates it, the, the system to fall apart. And one of the things I've seen is that leadership courage or leadership standards. I always say what you accept, you cannot change. So what's the standard, right? You've heard me say that before. Advice I can tell my daughter, look, in relationships, what you accept, you cannot change. Uh, and what you accept becomes a standard. Right. And I just have a couple of stories, with, even with Ellis. Uh, I was, uh, Ellis was running North America, and Ellis is, right, he's getting his, his, his master's, and he calls me one day, and he says, hey, Billy, I'd like to shut the plant down for a month. <laughs> right. Now, we're producing NASCAR tires. And, and, and I'm really looking at my phone like, have you lost his mind? <laughs> I'm like, it, I'm like, that's unheard of in Goodyear's culture. And he said, I said, so what would you like to do? I'm listening. I never said no. He said, I want to train my people from the janitor all the way up. I want them to know their roles and responsibilities. Billy, I want them to know what they own. And you know what, Billy? They don't understand this operational excellence stuff. And I'm listening. I'm like, you want to do what? <laughs> and I'm thinking, and I'm really, uh, and it, it, I'll let him talk about it. And I'm thinking, you're out of your mind, right? But I, we did it. So, Ellis, you want to share yeah, about that? Yeah, no, that, I, re, I remember that day. Look, first, remember, I'm a finance person, so I did the math. So <laughs> I, I made sure I did the math because I knew Billy would ask. But but I knew it was something that, look, it hadn't been done before. And as Billy said, in, in our culture, you don't shut down a factory. But we looked at it, and you remember I talked about building the environment and, and understanding the capability of your team. Well, I knew my team, they, they still didn't have the capability. And I was learning as well. And, and I knew the environment wasn't there yet for us to be successful, but we, we had to build this environment. So I sat down, we did the numbers, we looked at it, and, and I felt I could recover if I, if I really got the team aligned and I really started building their capability. I knew we had operations or we had opportunity uh, within our supply chain to recover. So that's how I called Billy and said, look, I, I need to go through the strategy deployment process and I need everybody to understand, you know, what winning is. So what's, what is winning for our organization? I need to cascade that all the way through the plant. So we really did. We spent that month of December and it was never done in our facilities. And we spent that whole month just learning the, together, building our strategic plan, aligning the strategy, aligning the action. So at the end of it, everyone had an action plan. Uh, everyone had a development plan. We aligned our KPIs, including me. I, had, I started with my action plan, my KPIs, 
And here's how we're going to hold ourselves accountable. And again, including me throughout the year. And that was the start of really our team kind of really building the confidence to be able to operate within the management system. And, and, and that's where we built the culture, started building the culture. And it was an investment side. So after that, when he started up, one, he never missed the order. Two, he was working six days a week to get product in five days. He went to a five-day work week and gave people back their quality of life. Yeah. Right? And then the plant was probably one of the best performing plants as far as year-over-year improvement, uh, even with the shutdown. Uh, and went on to win the AME Award. And in thinking sustainability, the process lived beyond Ellis. Mm. So when you're talking a real good daily management system, it lives beyond the leader. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'll tell you, Scott, a couple stories with Billy here. I just 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 to, again, his his leadership and how he fit into this to this culture. One, you've heard the term catch ball. So one of the things we did, it was with safety. And my, I had a, I had a goal from Billy from the region on safety. And I gave it to my safety leader and he came back and said, I can't hit this goal. I said, well, we, we need to talk about this. He said, Alice, I can't hit the goal. We're not capable. So during this strategy deployment session, he starts playing catch ball with me. And this was the first test, I think, for the lead, for the team to see this leader, you know, be able to play catch ball with me. And he had his data. He came in and he said, and I said, I, I believe you. So then I had to bring Billy in and in front of the entire team. I said, Billy, we can't hit the safety goal. And Billy said, Ellis, I need to understand that because the safety goal went all the way up to the company. And we played catch ball. And the team watched me play catch ball with Billy. And, and at the end, Billy says, I get it. You guys aren't capable of hitting that goal. And we agreed on a goal. And then Billy took it. That was, I think, the leadership that built that psycho, helped build that psychological safety. You know, they saw someone playing catch ball with me and then me playing catch ball with Billy. And we ended up with a goal that we could all align to. And then Billy could hold me accountable and I could hold that leader accountable. And we right. accepted that. And you and, and the team can make that commitment. And, and That's even right. though it was a, a stretch is what I'm hearing still, it, it was it was one that uh, was not unreasonable and one that still right. pushed the organization to to, to reach more and, and, right. and perform better. So. Um, I got to share some comments here. There's so much that you and Billy are sharing that's that's triggering a lot of thoughts here. I want to I go all the way back upstream a bit. Chedley says, it's time to make vertical integration between different supply chain layers to create a better, solid, and efficient supply chain network. In result, there will be multiple optimizations in economical, social, and environmental aspects. The hard part is building trust between different firms, I think, is what Chudley says. Yeah, uh, Billy, uh, you want to comment on that first, and I'll go to Ellis? I agree with it. Well, and we call it managing the intersections, right? And you look at it's also a vertical and a horizontal intersection, right? right? And you, you, you've got to marry those up. It's like a highway or right us traveling. There are intersections. And what keeps traffic flowing, right? Those standards and those relationships. And it's important, but those have to be clear. Ellis talked about strategy deployment. What's the strategy to get everyone in the room? Because when people don't know what they own, they blame. Right. Right. And you hear me say often in the absence of ownership comes blame. How do you solve that? Getting those people in the room, those players in the room, those vertical and horizontal players and make sure they know what they own and then hold them accountable to the strategy. But not only the strategy, most companies only focus on the KPI. 
it's critical that you link the KPAs with the KPIs, the key performance actions with the key performance indicators, right? And then I didn't say a leading indicator. I said an action, right? If, if I want to lose weight, you've heard me say this, say this, I can't stand on the scale and wonder what the heck is happening, right? I was 250 yesterday. I'm 252 today. Well, did I eat three chocolate bars when I said I was going to only eat one, right? Did I have that four slice of pizza, right? And so, I need to look at the KPAs around all of those systems when you're talking integration and hold people accountable to the actions as well. Excellent yeah. point. No. Uh, Ellis? No, it's it's a great point. I mean, you really linking everyone and look, transparency, when you think about sustainability, transparency is is like it's a foundational kind of, you know, ex- expectation for for sustainability. And and what we're finding is and people, you know, look, it, it's a change for many organizations and many, you know, many different industries to be more transparent and open up your organization. But what you find and how you're able to link the different organizations, different suppliers is transparency is saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to open this book and it allows you to look in. And it's not to look in to criticize. It's a look in to say, where do you need help? How can we help you? How can we partner? So as different, you know, as different suppliers, different, you know, elements of the supply chain, open it up to say, okay, here, here I am. Here are my challenges. Here's where I don't have transparency. Here's where I do have transparency. Or here's where I have traceability. Here's where I don't have it. Hey, human rights, right. another critical element of, of the supply chain. What's your due diligence process around human rights? Hey, well, I don't have one. You know what? Here's a, here's a due diligence process and here's how we can help you. So transparency is a critical element of creating that link with those different layers. And again, it's not about criticizing the different elements. It's about saying, okay, we see you, here's where we can help you. And that's going to be so important as we move forward. I love that. You know, our dear friend, Mark Preston, Billy, always is known for saying, don't fool yourself, right? Don't fool yourself. You got to keep it real, right? That's right. Yeah. On this topic of, of uh, human rights and, and you know, human trafficking and slavery even, mm-hmm. uh, Amanda, I'd love for you to drop the comments or the link in for Hope for Justice. So we've got our, our big December event coming up to celebrate supply chain and procurement achievements and whatnot. We're partnering with this nonprofit called Hope for Justice mm-hmm. that's keeping it real and shining a big spotlight across the globe of, of uh, some of the tr- uh, atrocities that still goes on. So, And unfortunately, you know, global supply chain leaders got their work cut out for us because oh. – you know. Th- Thankfully, a bigger spotlight is being put upstream and downstream in, in, in some of these very disconcerting areas of global yeah. business. Uh, and it's important we don't shy away from from the tough topics. Uh, so anyway, Hope for Justice, if you could drop that in the, in the comments, we want to help make their noble mission more visible. All right. I also want to share, uh, gosh, this is a this is a wonderful, this is like a mini master class with Billy and Ellis. Man, I'm going to get a certification leaving once we close up this live stream. Claudia says, uh, there's a poor, that, that's a pearl of wisdom. Safety is not only physical, it's also emotional. Only then teams can thrive. I think both of you are kind of speaking to that. Oh, Ellis, yeah. You did it in a very pointed matter. Yeah. Peter talks about, we mentioned Ferrari, which I'll never know in my entire lifetime what those feel to drive maybe, but Peter did drive one for his 50th birthday. Yeah. Looks like he, wow. he drove one around the racetrack from a, as a gift from his daughter. Gregory says tracking and tracing are inextricably 
intertwined as the former provides location of assets, equipment, commodities in real time, and tracing provides a historical view of such with visibility, transparency, accountability for those operating in supply chains, value chains, logistics frameworks. Very crucial towards enhancing sustainability. Gregory, you have a new nickname. You're the William Shakespeare of supply chain. Man, any comment? And I'll just stop there for a second. Any comments there? Uh, Ellis, let's stick with you. Yeah, no, look, it, it, you know, I can't say too much. And this is very, it's so, it's a challenge for all industries. Some have, have you know, kind of met this challenge. We're still working on it. You know, when you think about natural rubber, and we think natural rubber is a sustainable product. It's natural, it comes from trees. Right. But there are still sustainability challenges with natural rubber. You talk about deforestation, you talk about, like you said, just talk about human rights. Uh, so we, we need to make sure that where we're purchasing our natural rubber from, and as well as our competitors, that there's no def- deforestation associated with it. Right. There, there are no, you know, there's no child labor associated with it. You know, so we're doing a lot of work around, you know, being able to trace that natural rubber all the way back to its origin. Here's the challenge. There are millions and millions of small farmers, you know, are supplying this big network. And there are so many different layers uh, within within our natural rubber supply chain. So that's the challenge in it. But that's the that's the, you know, kind of what we're dealing with. You want to eliminate deforestation. You want to eliminate, you know, human rights issues, uh, trafficking or, or or child labor so that's why it's so critical to be able to trace it through the supply chain. And we're all working towards that. And, and we've got NGOs helping us with that. Uh, and, and it's if we all do it, we all win. I think society wins if we can do it. Right. And it, well, what I can really appreciate, Ellis, and, and Billy, I'm sure you can too, is is the scope of this, right? I mean, millions and millions of farmers and, and sourcing partners, you name it. I mean, this is despite our best efforts and, and real not lip service, but real intention and investment and mm-hmm. all the partnering you're speaking of, Ellis, that, yes. that folks are helping you identify and, and improve and rectify and whatnot. This is the this is the kind of the challenge of our of this time, right? Yes. Um, yes. and and you know, each challenge presents a wonderful opportunity, right, to move forward co- right. collectively and together. Yeah. But I, I admire that trans you know just because it's uh, the right thing to do doesn't make it easy and doesn't make it easy just from a, a sheer get it done standpoint. And I appreciate those comments there, Ellis. Billy, I know you're, what, what, what are some of the things that, that this brings to your mind? Well, when you look at tracking and traceability, right, it goes back to creating that safe space so people can, people can come forward and put the dead fish on the table, right? If, if there are repercussions for that, right? You, in the airport, you hear, if you see something, say something, right? Right. And, and those are, uh, those, those systems, when you don't create that environment where people can come forward with real data, real constraints, right. real issues, you know, as, as a diversity and inclusion uh, leader, my thing was creating those allies, right? Because that's a sensitive subject. When you're talking diversity and inclusion, it can be very intimidating to someone, right. especially the white male. Sure. And right. And it was like, no, yeah, let, let's have that safe conversation. Let me talk to you about this. Right. And it wasn't that sometimes uh, you, you all hear unconscious, unconscious bias. It was afraid bias. I don't I'm afraid to say the wrong thing. I'm afraid right. of ignorance. Right. Uh, or hey, out of, right. I mean, I know. Right. I want to agree. I want to just it, it can be very challenging, especially a white southern male, you know, growing up Absolutely. in uh, where I grew up. 
sometimes my fear of saying the wrong thing can prevent com- the, the conversations that need to happen to happen. And those tough conversations you're speaking to, the, be- the ability to put that dead fish on the table, that's how we tackle and move on and move forward. But it can be some of the head trash that resides between the ears, uh, you know, based on maybe you know where you're from or how you grew up or whatever. So I, I appreciate you. I'm going to still, I'm going to completely and blatantly steal that dead fish analogy, uh, Billy and Ellis. And, and that's what I see. I was working with a, a, a CEO of a company and we had, I applaud this leader. I'm not going to put his name out there, but one, that humility, that vulnerability to have that conversation openly in front of his team it was a and what he took away from that conversation was more valuable, right? Right, because now the understanding that have the ability to have that conversation openly and then go down in your organization and find out what that organization needs, and therefore, when issues come forward, they're bringing solutions with the problem, right? It's not a blame game, so yeah. you know, and, and, and Scott, you know, Billy talks about this, and, and I'm sure everyone is. You know, Brene Brown, she talks about this in terms of, you know, you know what, you know, when I think about courage, you know, she talks about, you know, making, you know, look, you have to be vulnerable. And, and it is so true. Mm-hmm. As a leader, if you can't stand in front of your team and, and be vulnerable, I, I just think your team and you are you're leaving something on the table and you're leaving a lot on the table in terms of creating that safe space. It is so important that, that you can step in front of your team and be vulnerable. And talk about the things that you may not know or where you need help and where you're having challenges. And, and that's something that I, you know, I developed over the years and I felt very comfortable with that. People think being vulnerable is is not courageous. Right. It, it, it takes courage to be vulnerable. I mean, that, that is the essence of courage to stand up. You know, but but that that's that's what it takes. And, and, and it's so important as leaders to do that. And, and uh, you know, Billy mentioned it and I had to, had to say it because it's so critical if you want to move forward to be vulnerable. Again, sustainability, transparency, you're opening yourself up. You're vulnerable mm-hmm. as an organization, Excellent. but it's, it's courage to do it. And it's a huge step. And I think your your team members realize it, your suppliers realize it. And, and man, I think you end up in a better place. I'm with you. I got to share a couple of comments here from what uh, both of y'all were just sharing. Charles Heaters and hello, Charles. Great to have you. Love that style of leadership. Thanks for sharing. Peter Bollet, leading and vulnerability go hand in hand to your point, Ellis. Hey, Dr. Rhonda, how you doing? She says, fear, very true from so many different perspectives. You know, fear can kind of shut down the ability for honest, compassionate communication. Excellent point. And then Azalea, going back a little ways in the conversation, says, and uh, great to have you here once again with us, Azalea, we have been crippled as a society for so long by these same uh, cyclic issues, labor rights, slavery, et cetera, mostly because they have been hidden, overlooked, labeled not important. Only exposed issues can become solved issues. I love that, Azalea. Great to have you here. Okay. So I, I, um, I had a. Can I jump in on Azalea's nope. statement? <laughs> Hello, Jada. Great to have you here with us. <laughs> Go ahead. Azalea, I, I love your statement because one of my famous quotes in business and anything is you can't manage a secret. Tell us you more. It's impossible. You can't manage a secret. And so everything that Ellis and I and Scott talked about today is not only how you expose those secrets, mm-hmm. but now how you manage those secrets. Mm. I just want that. I didn't want to miss that opportunity, Scott. 
Yeah, I, well said. And and I'm adding that. That's going to be my 147th page here today <laughs> in this in this uh, manufacturing leadership series. But really, both of y'all, uh, it's, it's tough to tackle everything we wanted to in an hour. We'll have to have you back, Ellis. Uh, I want to share this one one more comment before we make sure folks can connect with you both. This is Korai Kose. Uh, and sometimes the, the LinkedIn profile doesn't show, but uh, our friend from Gartner, he says, if you don't take risks that you can manage through courage and smarts and only hide, you won't succeed. And that is an excellent point. It's all about taking those risks, those calculated Risk, but getting out of your getting out of your comfort zone as well. Yeah. Okay. So much uh, we'll have to save for next time. But but Ellis, really appreciate you taking time out as busy as, as both of y'all are here today. But let's make sure folks know how to connect with you after today. I bet you'll have some folks that want to kind of compare notes and and yeah. learn more from you. Yeah. No. No. It, look, Scott, it's been a pleasure. Uh, source, you know, you know, connecting with you today. And always a pleasure uh, with my friend Billy, my good friend Billy here. So this is this has been great. And I'll come back anytime. You guys let me know, and, and we can tackle uh, these topics and many more topics. But you can you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can go to the URL and Ellis Allen Jones uh, is where you'll f- find me on LinkedIn. And please connect with me, uh, send me messages. Let's um, let's start a dialogue if, if you'd like to do that. Love that, Ellis. I love that. Your, I bet your LinkedIn inbox is going to be overflowing <laughs> like the feedback you got earlier as you joined that that plant leadership team. But it was, it was so good, so good to uh, hear that and, and have you here and meet you and, and, and hear your, your POV and expertise firsthand. So big thanks to Billy. Billy, let's make sure uh, folks know how to connect with you and all the, all the things you're up to, including, I, th- I think this is public knowledge, this book you're writing, which will be released uh, – I want to say last time you shared maybe in the fall or, or yes. early next year. Is that right? Early next year. Uh, just going well to connect with me is, is LinkedIn as Ellis. Uh, I always respond to my own. I don't have no social media manager. So that's what I do. <laughs> I uh, love building relationships. Uh, go to my website, linkedxl.com. That's the name of the company for linked excellence. And um, the book actually right before I didn't open the email, Scott, before we started, McGraw Hill just sent me what the title of the book is going to be. So, Outstanding. so we just found that out right before the, the the show today. I didn't open it because I didn't want to get too excited. And uh, but the book is coming out, and it centers around next generation lean. Right? What's next? What's beyond Toyota? Embracing everything from Toyota. That cultural piece where leaders go in with airport lean. Right? They they, they pick the book up in the airport, they read it, and they they land and say. We need four Six Sigma black belts because we're going to be lean. It focuses on how to right, incorporate the tools. So that's what's going on with myself. Again, always love being on the show. You have a great audience and a great team behind the scenes as well. Hey, I'm with you. Uh, and, and and sometimes in front of the scenes. It's great to have Jada. In fact, we're going to get Jada on a, an upcoming live stream, uh, one of our newest team members, and and uh, love her perspective. But great conversation, uh, Billy and Ellis. And, and, Bill, if you hold back for a second, I'm going to uh, bid Ellis adieu. Uh, All Ellis, right. Thanks so much for your time here today. We've been talking with Ellis Jones, Vice President, Global EHSNS and Business Continuity with the Goodyear Tired and Rubber Company. We hope to see you again soon, Ellis. All right. Thank you, Scott. Sir. Okay, excellent. I'll tell you, Billy, man, you don't disappoint. What a, I mean, I, that's one of those conversations that, you know, sometimes you feel the hour and yeah. other times you blink and it's it's time to wrap up. And, and you could have just easily and smoothly moved into the uh, follow-up hour. But we'll, 
I got a feeling we'll have Ellis back again, Billy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think he enjoyed it just as much as we enjoyed having him. A wealth of knowledge. Well, I think the the two of y'all, you know, I, I mentioned earlier on the front end, I think we get you and Claudia together and we can solve the world's ills. But man, I wish I was a fly on the wall for some of the conversations and some of the things you, you and he, he did working as a team at Goodyear. So we'll have to dive in deeper to that next time. So before we wrap up here today, we, we want to make sure folks have uh, the opportunity, especially folks that may have joined in late, to know about the upcoming AME Everywhere International Conference 2021 coming up October 18th through the 21st. Slew of great speakers. Uh, you can learn more at ame.org. But um, Billy, you know, you mentioned earlier you're prepping for one of the sessions you're going to be leading. You know, we, we've seen some of the keynotes. I've, I've been a part of this event um, on several occasions. You know, the networking is top notch. The I, I believe AME is making a lot of the training available uh, far beyond the end of the event so that teams and organizations can take advantage of it. What else? What am I missing that folks need to know about this uh, event coming up in October? I, it's a, it's where I actually cut my teeth, right? It, it's, it's, it's getting getting familiar with the practical processes. And, you know, it's not a cost, it's an investment. I look at what I get from this conference is if, if I brought in a consultant or someone, I wouldn't get that type of hands-on, one-on-one, and this buffet of operational excellence. Right. right? And it's something there for, for everybody based on what you need. And so that's why I've already always attended. I recommend it this year. And, you know, the, the team at AME, they're constantly, constantly looking for what the – what the business community need instead of forcing tools out there. So yeah. uh, it's going to be a great conference. Yeah. Agreed. Well, Hey, if we can hear from more leaders like you and Ellis and our friend, Mark Preston, who's in the, the sky box today, he says, Scott, I see more coffee in your future. Mark, uh, I admit I need more coffee today. It's been a long week. I'm, I only had 17 cups. I'm used to about 27, uh, <laughs> Billy, but Mark, great to, great to see you. Uh, your ears may have been burning uh, from earlier, our earlier conversation, Mark. Billy, outstanding uh, discussion. And Azalea, it is an, a, virtual, a virtual event this year. Uh, initially, it was going to be Atlanta, but uh, as every other organization, you know, they're kind of keeping a finger on the pulse of, of everything that's going on as we fight to get into everywhere post-pandemic environment. So this is going to be virtual, and you can learn more at ame.org. Okay, and i got to give one more shout-out. Kim Winter is with us. Hey, Kim, great to have you here. Uh, your ears may have been burning as well. We were talking about our friend, uh, let's see here, Mark, Mark Ormrod, uh, which is uh, Billy. He is Mark is a uh, former Royal, Royal Marines commando, uh, also a triple amputee that has overcome all of that to now be a, a, a big, inspiring, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, TV, movie star, pot projects coming up. I mean, the guy's just uh, knocking it out of the park. We're interviewing him on an upcoming Veteran Voices session. So, Kim, great to have you here, and thanks for making that conversation happen. Okay, so, Billy, folks know how to connect with you. You've got the title. I don't think you released you probably can't share that title of your book, can you? No, I haven't even read it yet. I just okay. saw it pop up in a side email. We have the title, and I thought <laughs> that's exciting. Know, so it's exciting. That is exciting. Well, hey, what's um this weekend? We got, we got Friday afternoon. Any big plans? What, what's the one thing you're looking forward to this weekend? Well, I look at I, I speak to a lot of youths around right that value proposition. How do you show up? And so I have a couple of uh, classes with the city of Akron where young leaders. Uh, future leaders uh, that I'm going to be speaking to just around their brand, you know, and so that's what's going to happen this weekend. And uh, just 
a little bit re- relaxation. I love it, man. You keep on, keep on keeping on. I love it. And one final question, then we'll wrap. You know, Ella shared a ton of really good stuff here today, and you know, in a manner. And this is my first time meeting and talking with Ellis. You know, some folks when they talk, you know, it's lip service. And other folks when they talk and share, man, it comes from a really authentic space and genuine space and and you get that with Ellis. But what was your favorite thing that that uh, Ellis shared here today? Well, I think for me it goes back to his transparency, the ability as a leader to have those difficult conversations around being servant. One of the things with Ellis, he's very when I started my company, I remember meeting him at Starbucks to tell him about my strategy and he squarely looked me in the eye. It was almost embarrassing. He hurt my feelings to be honest with you. He says this is horrible. You don't know what you're going to do. You think you're good at a lot, but what's that one thing you're offering? That's what I want from Billy Taylor. He goes, I don't see that here. Hmm. And, hmm. And, 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 you know, that's what I wanted from a real leader, a real friend. And it, it, it actually caused me to focus. But what if he didn't have this conversation with me? How many, how often does leaders, do leaders do that? And so leadership and sustainability is, is around that transparency, that leadership courage. I'm with that's you. That's what I that's a wonderful way to wrap today's conversation. You know, me, uh, me and a dear friend have always have pointed to this punch in those conversation we had 20 years ago, which is it's just that moment of frank, this is what you need to know and you're not going to like to hear it, but it really it, it takes relationships to a whole different level. And oftentimes, if you don't give that feedback, you're doing it, folks a disservice, right? So I love, love hearing that. What a great uh, key takeaway from what Ellis shared today. So much more from what you and you and Ellis shared here today. But big thanks. Big thanks to, uh, again, Billy Taylor, board member with AME. Also, make sure you check him out at linkedxl.com. Is that right, yes. Billy? Mm-hmm. That is correct. Stay mm-hmm. tuned for this upcoming book that will be released early next year, title forthcoming. And make sure you join the Billy Taylor fan club, which uh, we're proud to, to, to lead the Atlanta section. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> these days <laughs> but hey most importantly folks thanks for tuning in thanks for all the great comments man I have to go back and read some of these we got a book of comments wishing you a wonderful weekend wherever you are but most importantly hey do good give forward be the change that's needed give someone that frank advice that you need be just yes. like billy and ellis and on that note we'll see you next time right here mm-hmm. at supply chain now thanks everybody thanks for being a part of our supply chain now community Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.